Where Will You Go? That's been the name of this series that we have introduced and that we're continuing in. I was wondering about that question this past week as I was thinking about the subject of peace. If you're looking for peace, where will you go if you're trying to go someplace that you'll be safe right now? Well, you probably won't be going to Ukraine or to Beijing or South Korea or Taiwan or Sudan. Well, where would you go to find peace, to be safe? Read a story this past week. There was a retired couple about 40 years ago. That was We were still in the Cold War with the Soviet Union at that time, and the worry of nuclear war had gotten to them. They wanted to find some place to live, true story, where they would be away from it all should it ever happen. So they started studying and visiting and trying to find some place they could move to and be safe. They finally settled on a group of islands about 200 miles off the coast of Argentina and moved there and sent a Christmas card to their preacher back home saying, we're here at our new home at the Balkan Islands. Just look that one up. That was 1981. 1982 is when the, when the uh, conflict over all that started up. People are interested in peace, aren't they? People are trying to find peace. We always have been. We just haven't been very good at finding it. In fact, since history has been recorded, in all of world history, all of recorded history, less than 1% of that history has been free of a war of some kind. 14,351 wars of various sizes, costing the lives of over 3.64 billion people that we know of. Peace would be nice, wouldn't it? According to the American Institute of Stress, wouldn't that be a great place to work? American Institute of Stress. 77% of the U.S. adult population regularly experiences physical symptoms caused by stress. 73% regularly experience psychological symptoms caused by stress. That was, by the way, five years ago. That was pre-COVID. Imagine what that is now. Peace would be nice, wouldn't it? If we could find it. One person wrote, my therapist told me the way to achieve true inner peace is to finish what I start. So far today, I have finished two bags of chips and a chocolate cake. I feel better already. Peace would be nice. It's elusive. So how can I find peace for real? I'm glad you asked that. I think the answer can be found looking into the life of this guy, Abraham. Abraham was a man who was at peace. He had something about him in his life that made him a man who was at peace. And I believe that something began with his faith in God. We're going to look at him again this morning and see how real faith in God is something that will give us peaceful living. In fact, if there's one thing that you walk out of here with today, that's the thing I'd like you to remember. Faith in God gives us peaceful living in any circumstances. Amen? And if you're not there yet, I hope you'll be there by the time we look at this together. We need to learn how to pick up the pieces. Yes, that's spelled wrong on purpose. And I want to talk about some of the pieces that we can pick up like Abraham did as we read about him today. 
We already heard from Romans 5 from Tom. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I hope that we can all say that that's true of us today. This first piece we're going to look at is how to pick up peace with God. So open up your Bibles, please. Genesis chapter 13, that's where we're going to start up again today. We finished in chapter 12 last week, and we're going to start reading this morning in Genesis 13 with verse 1. By the way, you'll notice I call him Abraham, but that's not what we read here, because later God's going to change his name to Abraham. But Abram, so far, is what we're reading about. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him, into the Negeb. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, and he journeyed on from the Negeb as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. You know, last week we talked about how Abram, Abraham gracefully blew it, how Abraham messed up. And now, as his story goes on, we've got Abraham back, back on track again, seeking God again. In the 18 verses that we're going to look at in this chapter today, Abraham is calling on the name of the Lord again. He had wondered, he hadn't completely wandered off from God, but he had wondered. And now with his life back on track, Abraham has something restored that all of us are really longing for in life. He has peace with God. We look at it, and I think that what we see in the life of Abraham is going to prove true in our own lives. When Abraham headed south, literally and figuratively, he compromised what he was supposed to do. He wasn't just traveling away from the land that he was supposed to be at, that God had promised to him and his descendants. He was also traveling away from God. Some of us have made trips like that, haven't we? Where will you go? We wander off from God's peace, and then somewhere in the middle of that wandering, we begin to realize, oh wait, this was a bad idea. The relationship crashes. The binge no longer satisfies. The gadget stops working, or there's a newer version of it now, an upgrade, and yours is lame. The absence of good people around you leaves you wanting and feeling weak. The job you're willing to sacrifice everything for turns out to be just a job. And you begin to remember things that you've heard from Scripture in the past, things like delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. And like the prodigal son, you come to your senses and you come back home, hat in hand, ready to do it right. Abraham had faith, remember. He'd blown it, but now came the time to rebuild that precious relationship with the one who had called him to go. And to go without knowing where he was going, Abraham's source of peace came from his relationship with God. That's where it's supposed to come from, church, isn't it? 
our relationship with God. Your peace in life is directly proportional to your level of faith in God. And to find peace along the way, you need to be at peace with God. How's that relationship with him going? Some people believe just enough about God to be afraid of him, but not enough about him to love him and call him father, not enough to know what it's like to have peace from him. God says that through faith in Jesus, through submission to him, we have forgiveness of sins. Do you believe him? Do you believe it? Because that's a great deal of peace, knowing that you're forgiven. Looks to me like Abraham had that reassurance from God. I noticed that Abraham, by the way, had the help of a new start. You compare chapter 12, verse 8, with chapter 13, verse 3, and I was reading it with an emphasis on purpose. Abraham has returned to where he was. He wandered off to Egypt, but he came back, and now he is at the same place where he was, where he previously had built an altar. He is there starting over. I think one of the reasons that video games are so addicting is because it's so easy to start over. All you got to do if you die three times is hit start over, right? Hit the reset button and new life. All the mistakes of the past are gone and you get to start all over. There's a lot of help in a new start, isn't there? Who doesn't want to redo? I'll bet that if we could wake up every morning sure that with that new day as the sun came up that God was giving us a brand new start, that would really help us pick up a piece in life, wouldn't it? Guess what? Paul wrote in Colossians 1.19, for in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether earth, on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You could be at peace with God today because God has made peace through the blood of Jesus, given up for you and me on the cross. You can have the reassurance of a fresh start every day comes through faith in the God who said he'll accept you and forgive you if you're covered by the blood of his son. I'm not surprised that Abraham is seeking the Lord again at Shechem. He had a lot to be thankful for. God had been very patient with him when he'd wandered off and stumbled. He'd been delivered safely out of Egypt where his lies could have cost him his wife or his life or both. You and I, we have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? God in his patience has allowed you and me this day to wake up, to draw breath, and even gather here together to worship right now. We have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? Faith in God is where we find peace in God. So let's pick up that peace. Let me say to you, pick up that peace that God has for us today. And then there is another peace that we should pick up. I see this in Abraham's life, and that is peace with other people. And peace with God is one thing. Peace with people? That's a whole other story, isn't it? In Abraham's case, by the way, it involved family. Oh, there's something new. And some of you are thinking, yeah, peace with people? You don't know my family. 
like a lot of families, the problem between Abraham's house and his nephew's house wasn't because of the absence of stuff. It was because they had a lot of stuff. And I've watched this happen to families over and over and over. It's usually right after someone dies. You know what I'm talking about? Before the death certificate is signed, the fight over stuff begins. I've seen those bumper stickers, maybe you've seen them too, that say, we're spending our children's inheritance, like on the back of an RV. We're spending our children's inheritance. I think maybe some of those people are doing their children a favor. The conflict that arose between people in this story was because of how much they owned. Look at verse 5. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. You don't have to be a rancher or a shepherd to picture this. Your sheep ate all the grass. Now I have to take my flock down the road farther away. You guys picked all the figs. Now mom's not going to be able to fix Fig Newtons, and we're going to have to eat something else. Your cattle are taking up the pasture that I fenced off, and on and on. As long as there's more than one person in the world, conflict is going to be a part of life. Think about this. Cain was one of only two people who had been born on earth at the time when he decided to hate his brother and murder him. That's how many people it took. Conflict's going to happen, isn't it? At work, in government, in schools, in marriage, with kids, and in churches. And that's okay. We can't make there be no conflict, but you know what we can do? We can control what we do, how we react to conflict. Abraham's faith in God shaped the way he approached this conflict. First thing he did was point out there's a good reason to work on it. There's a good reason to work together for peace. And let me tell you, whoever you are this morning, there's a good reason for you to work for peace. Verse 8, Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. We're family. The next time you find yourself struggling to get along with someone, think about this. When we're part of God's family, we're brothers and sisters, aren't we? That's not by mistake that God uses that language in his word. We are kinsmen. Family members are supposed to deal with conflicts just because they're family. Guess what, church? As are the families of the church, so is the church family. Don't doubt it for a second. Look at our culture. Anywhere in our culture, the families fall apart, are falling apart. The culture is falling apart. 
There's good reason for the church because of that to encourage us to be great husbands and great wives and great parents and great grandparents and to have great homes of all kinds. I find it really interesting here that the record adds this line. just kind of seems out of place. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. What's that doing there? What's that got to do with the story? They weren't family, but they're there. Maybe they're watching the clan of Abraham and Lot for weaknesses so they could take advantage of them. Maybe they were just observing and forming an opinion of those sojourners from the north. So if Abraham's clan and Lot's clan didn't get this worked out, they'd be open to attack, at the very least, criticism. Neither one of them is a good thing. Satan has been using quarreling among God's people as a foot in the door for all kinds of damage over the years. So Paul wrote to the church at Rome, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. He wrote to the Ephesians, make every effort to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Abraham looked at the situation and he suggested in verse 9 a solution to Lot. And as you look at that verse, I want you to consider how it might apply to us the same principle today. Genesis chapter 13, verse 9, he says to Lot, is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And here is something that I think you and I should take away from this. Faith in the God that we serve demands that we seek peace with one another. And it provides a way that we can have it. God accepts me on the basis of faith. Just like he accepts you or will accept you. Maybe I don't like you. I think most of you I do. Maybe I don't like you. Maybe you don't like me. Well, you can pick your friends, but you're stuck with your family. God accepts me and he accepts you because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? So I can accept you and you can accept me on the same basis. Faith gives us peace with one another. Peace with one another is a peace that we must pick up. Here's one more. Here's another peace, and that is peace of mind. Or peace with yourself, if you will. Peace of mind. Peace of mind is how you can look in the mirror when you get up in the morning and live with that person that you see. Peace of mind Peace with yourself is how you can lie down at night and go to sleep. Chapter 13, verse 10. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus, they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. I wonder how many of us would be willing 
that willing to give the other person the opportunity to choose ahead of ourselves. Abraham gave Lot his choice. You pick the land, Lot. Would you do that? Some of us lose peace if somebody gets in front of us at the grocery line or ahead of us at a traffic light. Abraham allowed Lot to have the choice of what appeared to be the best land at the time. Abraham placed himself second, Lot first. You think he lay awake at night, that night in bed? You think Abraham was there in bed going, Oh, how could I have been so dumb? I don't think so. I doubt it. I'll bet he slept as soundly as ever because a person who has faith in God is a person who has peace of mind. He's at peace with himself, even if the world says he shouldn't be. And the reason that Abraham could have such peace keeps pointing us back to this same thing, his faith in God. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, Hebrews 11 begins. Abraham couldn't see the future, but Abraham had faith in the God who controlled the future. He knew that God would provide. If God wanted to, he could make a nation thrive in the land where Abraham was going. And as it turned out, by the way, Lot went to a land that would eventually be burned to a crisp, remember? A wasteland. That's where the Dead Sea is. How many people would be at peace with themselves if they could just take God at his word? How many would stop lying awake at night or working themselves to death if they would believe that by seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness, all the needs of life would be taken care of? How much more would the church of today do if our faith reflected that we believe that God is going to give to us everything that we need to do whatever it is he wants done. How many people's lives could be changed forever? We need to remember that God will provide. Amen? Here's something else that we need to keep in mind. Abraham knew that he had done right by avoiding the conflict. Proverbs 20, verse 3 has stuck in my head over the years. It reads, it is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. Avoiding unnecessary conflict isn't always easy. In fact, sometimes people will look at our effort to avoid unnecessary conflict and think it's a sign of weakness or sign of apathy. Okay, Do you know what? Sometimes standing around and arguing about all the ins and outs of masks and shots and boosters and tests and mandates, as if all of us were suddenly today medical geniuses, doesn't accomplish much good. I can tell I stepped on toes. It's still quiet here like when I said that in the first hour too. All the medical geniuses haven't gotten it right either. How can you? Sometimes the high road of faith says giving up something to avoid a conflict is more important than getting what I deserve or think I deserve. That's what Abraham did. Here's something else about him. He knew there was a better land, 
than what he saw with his eyes. As chapter 13 comes to an end and, and Lot has made his choice and taken the better looking land of the Jordan Valley, God takes Abraham aside and he says, all right, Abraham, look east, look west, look north, look south, travel the breadth of the land. I'm going to give it all to you and your descendants. Even then, Abraham understood that there was something much bigger in his future. Abraham was going somewhere, but it wasn't just where he could see. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking toward the city, forward toward the city, that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. It says there in Hebrews 11, along with Abraham and his descendants, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they'd been thinking of the land of which they'd gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they seek a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. Whatever you brought with you here this morning, let me encourage you, to walk like Abraham did, to walk as a foreigner, to walk as a stranger, an exile, a person who is seeking a land that you can't have as long as you're still living here. Someone who is desiring and seeking a better country, a heavenly one. We work so hard in this life to get things the way that we want them, don't we? Especially you people with OCD. All right? Put the level on the picture. The bubble's got to be just right. We paint the room. We replace the flooring. We adjust the temperature. We go on the diet. We buy the new outfit. We get the joint replaced. We try a whole list of things to get it the best that we can get it. You know what? Get it as great as you can. This isn't the best that it gets. In fact, if you're living by faith, you realize, don't you, that this life here is the very worst that we will have to go through. What we're living for is going to be so much more. I don't sing perfectly. <clears throat> Some of you are standing in front of me going, I, amen. But you know what? Someday that's not going to be a problem. I'm going to have eternity to get it right. I will. I can't work as tirelessly as some do, but you know what? Someday I'm going to live in a place where there will be no night. I can't seem to heal everybody's deep hurts, but someday I'm going to be at a place where there will be, I'm going to be in this place where there will be no more crying, no more tears, no more pain or mourning. I'm not a perfect family member. But someday, when all things are made perfect and new, I am going to be a perfect family member in a family where all of the family members have been made 
perfect. Won't that be nice? Jesus said in John 14, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. There's something about the peace that comes from knowing Jesus that's different from any other kind of peace that the world has to offer us. And I know this morning that there are some people here, or some of you, who need to pick up the pieces. How can you do it? Remember Abraham, believe God. Believe that God is going to keep his word, that his offer of forgiveness for sins is true. Believe that God has under control the things that really matter. Peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, Jesus said. My peace. If you haven't picked that up yet, I hope that you hear the message this morning that you can. The message is that God has made that offer to every person. The way that we have peace with God is because of what Jesus did on the cross, a gift that God offers to every person, and then those who accept it, that's part of it. We have peace with God. If you're here and you've never made the choice to accept this gift from God, then we're all about that. We hope this morning that that's a decision that you'll make that you'll realize that this is available to you, that God has offered this to you, and that he is waiting for you to accept it. Scriptures make very clear what it means to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You come to this realization that you need this in your life. You believe that Jesus is the one through whom you can get it. And then you accept him as Lord in your life. You repent of an old way of life. You acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. You're free and open to say that to people. You're baptized into him. And God promises then that his Holy Spirit will come and live inside of you. Work on that old crusty person that you have now laid to rest is gone. This new person begins. And you live a life at peace with God. If you're ready to begin that today, we hope that you'll make that choice. We're ready to help you begin that relationship with Jesus. And so in just a moment here, we're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to uh, sing that song that Tom mentioned earlier, Wonderful Words. And if you're ready to make that decision to accept Jesus, I'm going to be right down here at the front, and I invite you just to come visit with me. Talk to me about your relationship with the Lord. Or maybe you're struggling with something in your life. Maybe you've already accepted the Lord and you're having some struggle. You just need somebody to come alongside you and encourage you and pray for you. Let me tell you, there isn't a better place that I can think of in Rockford, Illinois this morning to be than in front of this group of people this morning who will come to your side and who will pray for you and love you and encourage you. So if that's a need that you have this morning, come up here to the front. It's a good place to be. Let's stand up together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the promise of peace that can come only as Jesus said. His peace, not as the world gives, but peace that comes from our relationship with you. 
We want to be in right standing with you. Lord, we want to know that one day, standing before your throne, we will have the advocate there with us, the one who loved us, who gave his life for us. And I, Lord, just long today for people to know and to accept that truth. Father, maybe right here this morning there is someone who is ready to make that decision. I, I pray that hindrances will be pulled aside and that right now uh, your kingdom will increase. Help us to make good choices, Lord. Help us to not just see in Abraham a nice story, but the way that uh, we need to live. And I pray today you'll see us and help us make decisions that will honor you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.